Welcome back to another episode of the Testudo Times podcast with Sam Ostry and Ben Dixon, your two co-hosts for the entire football season. We have a lot to get to. We're going to get to uh, Kevin Willard's big get in the recruiting cycle yesterday, talk some Maryland basketball. But first, we're about eight days away from the kickoff of Maryland football season against Buffalo on September 3rd. We're going to get into a lot about Maryland's season, some predictions, a full schedule breakdown. We're going to go game by game. Ben, how are we doing today? Doing great, Sam. Ready to ready to go for this football season. You know, week zero starting Saturday, kind of just a preview of what's to come. And, you know, obviously excited to uh, to watch and cover the Terps this year. Yeah, so they finished um, their 22nd practice yesterday. They only have a few more of real fall preseason camp. And then next week is the first. It's game week next week. They're going to get into preparation for Buffalo. And then Buffalo is going to be next Saturday at home to open the season. First, let's start with some predictions. So we're going to go through each of our predictions for offensive MVP, defensive MVP, the X factor of the team, um, the freshman of the year. And then we're going to do record prediction. That's going to go into a schedule breakdown. We're going to go game by game, breaking down the chances we think Maryland has to win that game. And just uh, the opponent, the matchup, everything. So let's start with the offensive MVP. I think we're going to have the exact same person. But Ben, who is it for you? Yeah, uh, I think it's an easy choice here to go with Tulia Tugavailoa, the Maryland star quarterback. Um, really, last year, when you look at you know just his numbers, um, top 10 in touchdowns in the nation, um, I think he had the most interceptions of the Big Ten among starting quarterbacks. But, you know, half of those came in one game against Iowa. You wiped that game out. It was really just a phenomenal season for Talia, um, I think we'll see him kind of, you know, get a little bit more comfortable within the offense, within himself, um, kind of, you know, get past that mental stage of, you know, maybe the bigger opponents. Um, and obviously, you know, he has a great uh, receiving core as well. Um, I, I think the situation is just great for him to be the offensive MVP. It'd be tough to single out, you know, a single receiver as the MVP or, you know, a single offensive lineman because both those units are going to be so important to the offense. But it all starts with the quarterback. Uh, it always does in football, and, and it starts with Talia Tugavailoa for the Terps. Um, if, if Maryland's going to take that next step this year, which you know you dove into in, in a column recently, um, it, it starts with him, and he'll need to start. To, and he has to be the MVP of this team if if we're you know being plain and simple here. Yeah, it's kind of a no brainer. I mean, there's literally no one else. Like obviously on any MV, on any team, you'd expect the quarterback to be the MVP, the most important player, etc. But when you have someone as electric and when the ball is going to be as, in his hands as much as it is, because this is a pass-heavy offense. I mean, they we're going to talk about the running game a little later probably, but this is not a team that's going to be wanting to run the football on early downs like they're going to want they, they might it would help it would certainly help Talia and help the offense this but Talia is going to have the ball in his hands all the time he's an electric wide receiver room an improved offensive line and look you would love to give like the offensive MVP to like Dante Demas or Spencer Anderson on the O-line or someone like that but like the it, it's this offense goes as Talia will take it and if he takes another step like he did last season certainly in decision-making area in terms of checkdowns, in terms of just getting the ball to receivers in the spots that they want. I mean, the sky's the limit for this offense. It was the number four ranked scoring offense in the Big Ten last year. I think they could be the one or two top ranked scoring offense this year. Talia broke every program record, not every, but almost every program record in a single season that you can imagine for a quarterback. He might break a lot of all-time Maryland record records this year. So, I mean, the sky's the limit for this offense if he if he is as good as he's capable of being, and I think we've seen it, I think the the coach, coaching staff, the other offensive players have talked about how he's taken another step. He's a he's a um, extremely hard worker. We'll stay after practice, watch a ton of film. That's that's his personality, quiet personality. So really, if if it's not Talia, this this offense will not be what people expect. 
exactly to your point. It starts and ends with Talia. You know, 11 interceptions last year, kind of like I mentioned. You got to think he'll clean that up this year. Um, even though, you know, that was tied for Aiden O'Connell and Graham Mertz for the most in the Big Ten last season, two guys who are also considered very good starting quarterbacks. So I think Talia, you know, the perception that Maryland does have, you know, the second best offense in the Big Ten or could have the second best offense in the Big Ten behind Ohio State, obviously, won't be by mistake if Talia performs. I think if he performs to the level that, you know, we expect him to, that the fans expect him to, that everyone expects him to, I think Maryland is due for a big year, and, and he's without a doubt the the offensive MVP. Yeah, definitely. And when you talk about those interceptions, five were against one opponent last year. So, right. I mean, like, you look at 11 interceptions. Okay, he had six interceptions in 12 other games that he played. And so that's really important when you talk about that. Yeah, it was Iowa. It was the best defense that he faced all year. And it's important to perform against great defenses. But that's something that staff has talked about where you want to see him improve is not get high on the highs or or get too low on the lows they want to see him his emotions be even keel where one interception doesn't lead to another doesn't lead to another and that we that's what we saw in the iowa game he kind of cleaned it up as the went on but if he lowers those interceptions against great defenses i mean he, he might even be in i know he's a long shot for the heisman but he could even be early on in the season in heisman contention yeah you never know i mean we saw last year there was a little bit of a Tulia for Heisman train the first few games of the year. Yeah, and there probably will be for the first three games, assuming yeah. they're three and up. Yeah, I mean, we will we will definitely see about that. Um, and just last thing on this, Sam, you know, you mentioned that I was the best defense he takes, and he has to do this against great teams. This coincides with, you know, Maryland taking that next step. It may not be beating all these teams because that's not going to happen. Maybe beating one of them, but even not, you want to be competitive against the best teams in the Big Ten if you're going to take that step forward. And that, of course, starts with your quarterback. He's got to make smart decisions, um, stay out of interceptions, and, and just stay even keeled, like you mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go to the other side of the ball. We're going to talk about a defensive MVP. There's a bunch of guys we could go to. I know. Um, me and Ben discussed this before, so we have the same player for def- defensive MVP. But there are a bunch of guys you go to. But Ben, who's your defensive MVP this season? Yeah, for me, it, it's got to be Jacory and Bennett. I just think, you know, the star power in on the defense. It starts and ends with him, in my opinion. I think the secondary, while a little bit weaker on the safety side, given that you have you know two new starting safeties, I think the cornerbacks could be the strong suit of this defense whether it's Jacorian Bennett, Tarheep still, Deontay Banks or others. But I think Jacorian Bennett is the guy who's, you know, leading this charge. Uh, was named to the Reese's Senior Bowl watch list yesterday. Um, I think was an All-Big Ten honorable mention last year. 16 pass breakups, which, you know, led all Power 5, was sixth in the country. For him, the key is turning those pass breakups into interceptions, which, you know, he did mention you, Sam, at, uh, at Media Day this past uh, – or at the beginning of the month, excuse me. Um, but I, I think he's obviously the most imp- – or not obviously, arguably the most important player on this defense. And I think if he turns these pass breakups into interceptions and he's starting to lead, you know, the Big Ten in the country in that stat as opposed to, you know, the pass breakup side of things, the perception around him and, and maybe the Maryland secondary can start to change as well. Yeah, and, and you talk about the pass breakups, talk about that stuff. But um, the number one thing is, like, he's the best player on the defense. Like, when you – like when you evaluate their entire defense, you're right that the cornerbacks are this, the strong suit of the defense, and he's the best cornerback that they're going to throw out there. He's great, great in matchups. He's going to be the guy guarding the opponent's um, best receivers. So he's the best player on the defense. So it's kind of easy to give him the defensive MVP. I debated giving it to Tarheeb Still. I think Tarheeb Still is going to have a, a really great year. He was um, great in 2020 in that shortened season. 
um, ton of pass breakups per game. He was like, he was one of the best in the nation pass breakups per game. I forget the exact number, but then he regressed a little bit last year, took on a little bit of a special teams role as a, as a punt returner and did a great job with that. We'll probably do the same this year, but I think he's going to have another great year. Deontay Banks, you mentioned he's come back from injury. There's a lot of hype around him. So I do think that's the strong suit of the team. Jacorian Bennett is the best player, best player on the defense. You could be cute and give it to a defensive lineman, but that's kind of the, 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 I would say the weaker part of not just the defense, the entire team. So it's tough to give the defensive MVP to them. Jacorian Bennett has 12 pass, pass breakups that year. And um, I forget exactly how many interceptions, but he could have had like five or six interceptions and he knows it. You mentioned um, it, Ben, when I was talking to him earlier this month, or I, I guess it was last month at this point. But when I was talking to him, he he was talking about, yeah, that's the one thing I need to improve. I need to turn those pass breakups into interceptions. And if he does that and and can win the help Maryland win the turnover battle in this game, it, it, the sky's the limit. Really, for the offense, I know I keep saying that, but like that's what's so important is to get the ball back to the offense, and you do that with turnovers. So if they can win the turnover margin, it's 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 going to be. Maryland's going to have a much easier time against some of these tougher opponents. And it starts with the Jacorian Bennett, who's the best player on the defense and the best cornerback. Yeah, without a doubt. I think another honorable mention for me here would probably be Ami Finau, um, just in that D-line, you know, 6'2", just a massive body. Honorable mention, all Big Ten last year, 27 solo tackles. Um, like you said, the defensive line is going to be very important to this team. And I think if he has a great year, he could arguably also be the most you know valuable piece when it's all said and done. But I think going into the season, it, it's Jacorian Bennett. For that yeah, point. and you mentioned him, but um, like Sam O, his departure leaves a huge hole to fill. He was the leader of that team. He was the man up front. He was he was really good at stopping the run. So if um, um, Ami Fino can can kind of replace that role that Sam O brought last year, defense will be in good hands up front because they really they do struggle getting to the quarterback that's one of their weak spots and and some of these uh big 10 offensive lines and their quarterbacks they're going to sit back in that pocket all day and it makes it harder for the cornerbacks to guard when when the guys aren't getting to the quarterback up front so we'll see all right let's go to the uh, you got something to say nope all right let's go to um let's go to the x-factor of the team i know we we differ on our x-factors this year who's your x-factor for maryland this year yeah it's tough i mean i kind of went through a lot of names um for this one but you know, when I think about X factors, I think about someone who, you know, gives the team, you know, maybe the best and, and most unique chance to improve. Um, and for me, that's that's without a doubt, Jacob Copeland. Um, he's I think he's going to be a star player for Maryland. And, and it'll be, you know, easier said than done at the end of the year to say he's not an X factor than he is because he might be so good. But I think he's the guy that, you know, really brings this, you know, quote unquote, pick your poison type energy to the receiver room there's Kim Jarrett there's Dante Demas obviously those two are proven in a Maryland uniform and then you bring over Copeland who is Florida's leading receiver he might be you know the Terps number three receiver this year it, or he could be number one but depending on which way it breaks out I know Sam you mentioned on the last podcast we did that you could we could see games where he goes absolutely ballistic and he's the leading receiver and there's some other guys who might lead as well whether it's uh Kim or, or Dante as well but I think uh excuse me I think Jacob Copeland coming from Florida just brings another element to this receiving core that, you know, like I just said, makes the defense pick their poison. You're not going to have three bona fide cornerbacks on most teams that will be able to stop all three guys. And I think oftentimes we'll see Copeland as the guy who, you know, might have the third corner on him. And and I think we could see him, you know, kind of take advantage of that and, and put up massive numbers and, and become really a favorite target of Talia this season. Yeah, it's a solid X factor, especially because, you know, he might, he could finish with the best numbers of, 
of that receiving core. And doesn't mean he's the best receiver in that room, but just because of the, the attention and coverage that Rakim and, and Dante are, are bound to get. Joe Jacob, if the, the wide open for him. But that's I'm going a different direction. That's a good X factor for sure. But I'm going with the kick with the new transfer kicker that Loxley has been raving about. Chad Ryland coming over from Eastern Michigan, one of the best statistical kickers in the entire country uh, last year, and really in his entire career. Earlier in a scrimmage this year, um, head coach Mike Loxley told us that he hit a 58-yard field goal in a scrimmage with the laces. You know, obviously, when you when you snap the ball, you, the kicker never likes to see the laces. You want the laces the other way. He hit the 58-yarder with the laces. Um, it's it's kind of an unconventional pick for an X factor. But something Maryland really struggled on last year was their kicking game. And Joe Petrino, you know, he hit a big one. He hit the game winner against Illinois, but he really did not have a lot of range. You really, he really needs to be in that 30 to 35 range field goal for you to feel comfortable to send your kicking unit out. That completely changes the dynamic of the play calling when they're in the opponent's half of the field of the offense in general. When you have a kicker that's reliable that you can throw out there for a 45 yarder and you trust him to make it. I mean, that's going to like you talk about getting points when you're in the other team's half of the field, you want points one way or the other. And if that's not always seven, you talk about red zone offense. If that's not always seven, you want, you want that to at least be three and with, and with Chad Ryland, you, it's going to be three more often than not. And even just extra points. He was money on extra points last year. He didn't miss one. Joe Petrino missed a few last year. Um, just extra points. So you just want that. You want someone who's reliable back there. And and Loxley has spoken incredibly high of him. If he really is as good as he was in the years past and as people are saying about him, this the kicking game is going to open so much for the play calling and for the Maryland offense as a whole. Yeah, I love that shout to uh, to Chad Ryland there. I think he's probably the most, you know, could be the most important player on the team um, in terms of scoring. You know, Loxley did say he, he could be our best scorer this year, which is... And, he's, and he called him the best transfer, you know. Yeah. They, they, like, they didn't have a bad transfer class. You just mentioned one, Jacob Copeland, X Factor. That's another transfer. He said Chad Ryland was the best cha- transfer that they got this offseason. Right, and and the, kicking, the kicker position is just so important. Um I just think back to, you know, when Maryland first joined the Big Ten, Brad Craddock was was an incredible kicker. Um, he had he had a game winner at Penn State, which, you know, was pro- probably stands as Maryland's best win since entering the Big Ten still. Um, and, you know, he, I think, 82% for his career in, in, in field goals. It's just, it's just nice to have, you know, a, a reliable kicker that you know will come through 90% of the time for you as opposed to, you know, Joe Petrino was, was really streaky last year. Maryland's had a run of pretty streaky kickers that haven't been able to, you know, step in and hit. hit you're not comfortable hit, kicking that 45 yard or on fourth and five, and you might go for it instead. So, you know, I, I think Chad Ryland is, is a great call for the X factor. And I think the kicking position, the kicker position, excuse me, um, could could be very helpful to Maryland in, in close games this year. Yeah, and I just thought of one. Um, yeah, I'm going to throw this in. might put you on the spot a little bit. It's not on the sheet that we went over. But before we get to the record prediction, Biggest question mark, not a player, just a position group, I would say. Biggest question mark entering the 2022 season. I, I think it's safeties. I think as much as we said that, you know, Ja'Cory and Bennett uh, and that cornerback room is, is really good, it's a whole new safety group. You know, Nick Cross and Jordan Mosley leave after, you know, basically two or three years, two to three years of starting every single game. Um, and now you got Dante Trader and Bo Brada as well, just kind of stepping into that role. Uh, we spoke to Bo yesterday. Um, you know, very, he's very confident about the room and, and, you know, working with Dante and how they show each other different things. Dante was a two sport athlete, almost played the cross here. 
and Bo will show him some other stuff as well. But I think it just has to be the biggest question mark on the team, given the uncertainty. It, it's just it's a completely new starting group to go along with a cornerback group that is pretty proven. So it's kind of like the cornerbacks and safeties work directly together in the secondary. One side of it is, you know, perhaps your most experienced, most comfortable group on the defensive end. And the other side is probably your worst. So it's it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I, I don't want to say worst um, because, you know, we don't know how these guys will mesh and, and perform on the field. But it, it's definitely a question mark heading into the season. Yeah, I'm going to stick with the defensive end too. I mean, usually, obviously, the offense is is the is the strong suit of the team. You could say tight end is a little bit of a question mark. Definitely could say there's some uncertainty at running back. But I'm going to stick with the the weaker side of the ball, the defense. I'm going to say just the defensive front as a whole and the the potential inability to get to the quarterback. I really think, like you talk about the secondary, it, it's the secondary is going to have an easier time if the defensive front can get to the quarterback or at least put pressure on the quarterback. Maryland, I mean. The Big Ten is some really strong offensive lines that that defensive front is going to go against. So it's going to be difficult. But we talked about the departure of Sam O. Can um, uh, Finau replace him? Can Mosiah uh, Kite replace him? Mosiah Nasili Kite, can he replace him? Um, there's a ton of different guys on the defensive front, like Jay Sean Barham, who's a linebacker. He... Um, it's going to it's going to be like he's a young he's incredibly talented but he's young so it's going to be a challenge even for him like who can get to the quarterback on this defensive front and that's going to be a huge question mark entering the season without a doubt um you know as i mentioned to us yesterday you know he's kind of working on the, the pass rush side of things as well um so it will be interesting they'll have to kind of get excuse me improve on maybe things that you know, that they, they didn't need to with Samo and, and other guys there last year, but we'll, we'll see how the team performs uh, next year in the defensive line. And it's just the defense in general is, is huge when it comes to Maryland being in the big 10, because the truth of the matter is, is since Maryland has entered the big 10, the defensive side of the ball has been less talented than the majority of offenses they face, especially the upper half of the conference. So to see the defense take a step forward in year one under, you know, new defensive coordinator, Brian Williams will, would be, you know, great for Terps fans to see. Yeah. That's a, that's a big thing that I forgot to mention. I'm glad you did, but the new defensive coordinator, Brian Williams, I do think it's going to help. I mean, players really respect him. Players really like him, but I do think it's going to help having a sole defensive coordinator and a play caller. Obviously he was the co defensive coordinator last year, splitting that duties. I think he's, he's going to, he's been at Maryland for a long time. He knows these players. He knows the program. He knows Loxley. So I think that's really going to help having a, sole defensive uh, uh defensive coordinator back there too but all right let's get to our record prediction now so let's just say the record prediction say what you think it is and then i'll say mine and we'll go game by game to see how they're going to get there all right record prediction i have seven and five um i think a one game improvement from last season i think the over under is five and a half on DraftKings, and uh, i really like the over for this team um, I think Buffalo week one, got to count that as a win. Same with Charlotte week two. Um, SMU week three at home Saturday night is going to be a tougher game than a lot of people expect in my uh, schedule breakdown that that hit the website uh, a couple of days ago. Just studying this SMU team, it, it that offense is scary. I mean, Tanner Mordecai comes back, one of the best quarterbacks in the nation, um, as well as his top receiver, she Rice. Um, so SMU is dangerous, but I think I think that's a game you have to win if you want to get to bowl eligibility at home against a group of five team, albeit you know a pretty good American team. Uh, but I think that's a win. Um, wait, wait, before before you continue, let's let's I'm gonna say mine. Let's go through every game together. All right, so we'll stop. We'll stop at non-conference and go game. Yeah, by game. yeah. 
Um, yeah, and then we'll go through every conference game. All right, so I also have seven and five. I think they're going to have one more improved, uh, more one more win than last season. I think it's a significantly better team. I think on like their team in general, the talent of this roster is better than just one more win than last season. But it's the gauntlet of the Big Ten. I mean, they just have such a brutal schedule, and you look for more than seven wins. It's hard to come by. DraftKings, you're right. They have it at five and a half as the over-under. I think Maryland hits the over on their win total. But how much more? I don't know. A lot of people have it at six. Obviously, five and a half would be hovering right around that. Six and six is what they were last year. I see them getting the seven and five. I think you're right. If they're going to get to that, they easily need to take care of the non-conference schedule. Um, Charlotte, Buffalo, those two, two uh, games in the first two weeks of the season, those should be early wins. And then SMU is a night game, Saturday night at home. I think being at home really helps, but you're right. That SMU team is better than people think. That line is going to be pretty low, I expect it to be. And then, so that's a 3-0, and but I, I still think Maryland takes care of it. So that's a 3-0 and to open the season in non-conference play. Then they're going to get into Big Ten play. So let's go through the Big Ten schedule. The first Big Ten game is at Michigan, September 24th. Obviously, this Michigan team won the Big Ten last year. It's a very, very difficult opponent. What, what, what do you see for this game? I see a loss. Um, I think just it, it's going to be tough to beat a team that's top 10 in the country on the road, a team that made the college football playoff last year, um, a team that gets worse on the defensive end after losing Aiden Hutchinson and, and only bringing back a few starters. But it's team, it's a team that's going to have an electric offense, whether it's Cade McNamara or J.J. McCarthy starting at quarterback. It, it's going to be a lot for Maryland to contain. And just, you know, Maryland's historically had problems beating Michigan since, you know, Randy Edsel beat him on the road in, in the first year that Maryland was in the Big Ten. I mean, Michigan has outscored the Terps by over 200 points in, in the last six meetings. Uh, six yeah, and that's, uh, it's, it's, that's really all you need to hear. It's all you need to hear. I think it's a loss. Uh, I don't think it will be all that competitive either. I think I think they will have a competitive game against, you know, one of the upper echelon teams, maybe two. I don't think the Michigan game will be though. You talk about taking that next step and you talk about the column I wrote and I really reiterated that taking that next step is beating or at least competing against some of these top teams in the Big Ten. And this Michigan team is one of them. This game is on the road, so it's obviously going to be much more difficult environment that they're playing in. Hopefully, Ben and I will be there. We'll see. Remains to be seen. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll be there. But it's going to be a very difficult environment they're playing in. But beating some of those teams is is really taking that next step. Or at least competing, showing you competitive. Like no one, if they start the season three and three and zero against non-conference play, and you want, you're playing a great Big Ten opponent, you want the hype to continue as the season goes on. You have to show you're you're at least competitive against this Michigan team. If you're losing by 20, 25 plus points to this Michigan team, to, uh, again, the hype is going to be is going to dwindle a little bit as you go back home for some more conference games. And you want, you're going to need that fan energy for some of those home games, including Michigan state, which, which, which is coming up. So I think Michigan wins this game too. You're right. I mean, um, in terms of their defense, they're not as good last year. And that was the strong suit of their team. Their offense is still capable. I think Michigan regresses. They're not over under win total on DraftKings is nine and a half. I think they're going to go under that. So I don't think they're going to be, the one of the best teams, they're, they're top team in the Big Ten, but I don't think they're going to win the Big Ten again this year. But I do think Michigan wins, but it's more competitive than people think. I think it could be a 10-point Michigan win around that. Yeah, um, I think it'll be more than 10. I think it'll be around the ballpark of, of three touchdowns. Um, I don't want to say completely uncompetitive. Uh, as I said earlier, I, I think if they might keep it close in the first half, but I think Michigan's just going to bring too much um, in the second half and and you know, make it hard for the Terps to 
to really, you know, pick up one of, you know, a few potentially program changing wins on the schedule, but I, I don't see it there. Yeah. And so the next game is October 1st at Mich- or excuse me, at home against Michigan State. So we have Maryland a three and one right now in our in our predictions. Like I was just talking about, that Michigan team is really that Michigan game is really important for how many fans are going to come out for this Michigan State game, which is at home. And that's a winnable game against Michigan State at home. Obviously they're going to be underdogs, maybe significantly, but it's certainly a winning winnable game. So you talk about Michigan, the Michigan game. I really think that if they can stay competitive within 10, 12 points, something like that, at least for most of the game, there's going to be a lot of energy around that October 1st game against Michigan State. And so if they do, I still think Michigan State's going to beat Maryland somewhat handily, like like over a touchdown, maybe around that 10-point range again. But I do think Maryland's competitive, at least at home against Michigan State. And hopefully that's a huge game where fans show up. Yeah, I'm exactly with you on all those points you just made. I think Maryland probably stays competitive at home. Uh, we don't know what time that game will be. Um, and if Maryland is competitive against Michigan, it'll, it'll really rally the fan base to, you know, show up and support against a Michigan State team that, you know, overachieved last year. Um, I think losing Kenneth Walker, you know, one of the best players in the country last year, one Walter Camp player of the year at running back is a much bigger loss than, than people expect them that they'll be able to recover from. But, you know, they still have Peyton Thorne back, Jaden Reed's back. Their offense is going to be really good. Um, I think Mel Tucker's arguably, you know, a top three coach in, in the Big Ten, one of the, the best coaches in the country. Um, I, I think Huge, what, 10-year extension? Yeah, literally 10 years. I mean, that's 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 signing the next 10 years of, of your life away, and, you, you know, you could be a uh, a lifetime deal there if you end up uh, continuing to succeed. 10 years but feels I, like a lifetime. Yeah, honestly. And then uh, – I, I, but I think Michigan State – Probably a couple touchdowns, maybe maybe ten or eleven. Um, yeah. Mark, but a competitive game. But um, let me let me tell you that this, like I, I I think that upset against a premier team is coming. I think it's coming this season. I, I've targeted who I think it is, and we're gonna get to that later in the schedule. But it would not shock me at all all if it's against this Michigan State team at home after maybe staying more competitive than people would think against Michigan. If they can do that the week before, I really think that this this is a winnable game for Maryland. But I'm going to pencil it as, an, as a loss for now. So that takes Maryland at three and two. We both have um, five games into the season. Next game they have is another home game against Purdue. Um, they finished nine and four overall last season, six and three in the Big Ten. Aiden O'Connell, he's there for one more year. Um, I think it's one more year. It feels like it's been 20, but I think yeah. one, one more year of college he's there for. Um, so this Purdue team is, they're going to be good again this year. They're, they're, hovering the Maryland's certainly going to be an underdog they're in that big 10 west that they should they should compete for that big 10 west title i don't know if it, they're definitely not the favorite wisconsin would be but they're, they're going to be right there what do you think about this purdue matchup yeah i think it's it's pretty much as close to a coin flip that you'll get if maryland gets a good home crowd i think Purdue's. i think these are two pretty even teams i think purdue might have the upper hand uh just by a little bit i think aiden o'connell is is a stud quarterback. He's a guy that a lot of people have over to the talk I think this game will obviously say a lot about that. And I think Purdue's week one game against Penn state will say a lot about what we think about Purdue and probably give us some clarity on this prediction. Um, I like Maryland at, uh, at home in this game. Oh I, wow! I think, I think by a, you know, a, a possession, probably, I think a field goal, maybe six. Um, I think Purdue is probably, you know, 
I think Wisconsin's going to win the Big Ten West and Purdue's, you know, in that two to four range along with, you know, Iowa and some other teams there. Um, I, I like Maryland at home. I think it's a game if you want to get to bowl eligibility, you beat the Boilermakers at home. They're not world beaters. And uh, if Maryland's going to take that step forward, I don't think it's a game that, um, you know, you could have business losing, but I don't think it's a game that they will. I still think they'll be underdogs probably by at least – like depending on what happens this earlier two weeks against Michigan and Michigan State, I think they could be underdogs by at least a touchdown. Um, and so you're right that it, it is one of those games, and it would not shock me if they win it at all again. But I think Maryland loses a really tight game by like a field goal. Um, so this is the first time we're going to differ here. So I think I have Maryland at three and three through six games, and you have them at four and two. I still think they easily get to bowl eligibility, but I have them beating one of the top teams later on in the season. Um, in, in an upset, but you have them beating Purdue, so you have Maryland at four and two through six games. You know, it's it's not a shocker. Again, that should there should be some excitement around that game. We don't know the time. I don't think so. Um, of that game, probably a noon or or three thirty kickoff. You would assume, right? Yeah, probably, but so, not, not not published yet. Yeah, so we don't know exactly the time, but there should be excitement around that game. Another another big home game, an opportunity where if Maryland has some excitement behind them and some fan support, they could pull off the upset. We don't, I mean, we're six weeks into the season. You have no idea how things are going to play out injuries as so much could happen, but we're just taking a game by game schedule breakdown. I have Maryland three and three through six games and, and Ben has them at four and two. And that takes us to Indiana game, October 15th at Indiana. This Indiana team was atrocious last year. They didn't win a single game in the big 10 you know, they, you would, you can't really, when you hit rock bottom, you can't really go anywhere else but up. So you would expect them to improve a little bit, but I don't think they're going to improve by much. This is on the road, but I still think Maryland wins by at least probably, I think Maryland could dominate Indiana, even though it was kind of a close game last year for much, for much of it, or I believe Maryland was ahead and then Indiana came back a little bit. I think Maryland can win this game by two plus touchdowns. I think this Indiana team is going to be bad again. And this is one of those must wins if you're going to get to bowl eligibility. Yeah, it's a must win. If you have any business, you know, playing in a bowl, you beat Indiana, the team that's projected to finish at the bottom of the conference. They went 0-9 in the Big Ten uh, last season. They, You know, their starting quarterback, Michael Panks Jr., who brought him to relevance the past couple of years, is gone. Um, you have a potential new starting quarterback in, in Connor Basilic, Missouri transfer. Um, I like Maryland on the road. I, I don't think that environment will phase them, given that I don't think Indiana will be that good, so. Yeah, no, I mean, what were you saying? Just, you know, just going through the schedule, obviously we'll get to the next game. I think I'll have Maryland with, with a much better record through, you know, the first few games than it, than it may seem that they finish with, given that November stretch, but go on. Yeah, so, yeah, well, they, yeah. But, so I've, I, you, what are you at? You have Maryland at? Five and two right now. Five and two, and I have them at four and three. And that brings us to another, I think we both called a must-win game, um, against Northwestern. This one's at home, so it's in College Park. Uh, I guess this is the homecoming game. Another bad team last year. They've had some decent seasons, but last year they were 1-8 in the Big Ten. I don't expect them to make much of a jump at all. They're, they, you know, they're going to be one of the, the – maybe not the worst in the Big Ten West, but they're going to be hovering around those that, that bottom tier of the Big Ten West. I think Maryland can win this game easily, and I think they should, again, by at least 10, 14, maybe two-plus touchdowns. And this is another must-win game. Again, you talk about that brutal November sweat stretch. I think they can get to at least five and three here through eight games. And I think they really need to. Yeah. Um, 
I think I just mentioned the wrong record earlier, but after the Northwestern game, I think I'd have them at six and two. I, I think I just said I did five and two earlier, but regardless, I think Maryland beats Northwestern at home, a homecoming game. Northwestern is not going to be good. Um, they play actually Saturday against Nebraska in Dublin. Interested to see that game. And they're 13 um, point underdogs. Against I, Nebraska I think that'll tell us more about Nebraska than it does against about Northwestern. Um, given their situation, but we'll, you know, we'll get into that when we talk more big 10 during the season. Um, yeah. I like Maryland at home. And I think this is, this is probably an ideal game where, you know, you want to try and reach bowl eligibility by Northwestern. I think if you do you, like you feel pretty good about your season because the stretch we're about to go into gets very tough before you. Yeah. Finish. I mean, look, Maryland didn't reach bowl eligibility to the last game of the season against Rutgers last year. If they can get to that six and two bowl eligibility mark through eight weeks of the season, That's a step. That, that would really be remarkable. Yeah. And the schedule sets up where it's certainly possible for them. Um, I don't see it. I have them at five and three through these eight games, and then they're about to enter a tough stretch. But if they're at bowl eligibility through eight games, I mean, that's that's a big target off your back. Yep. Without a doubt. And so we're going to get to the next week. Oh, well, then Maryland has their bye week, so that's an opportunity. That's kinda, a win. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a win because you're going to have opportunity. They're going to be banged up, you know, three Jeez. weeks of the season. It's a later bye week than they had last year, too. It's it's later than a lot of teams, I think. So they're going to be a little banged up. They might, may not be 100% healthy. That's going to be good opportunity to refresh. And then they're on the road in a really difficult matchup at Wisconsin in Madison. This is off their bye week. Wisconsin's plus 190, according to DraftKings, to win the Big Ten West. That's the favorite to win that uh, division of the Big Ten. This is a good Wisconsin team. You know, me and Ben have talked a lot about Graham Mertz and where he stands in in, in our quarterback rankings in the Big Ten and in college football as a whole. But wh- whatever Graham Mertz does or doesn't do this season, this is a really strong Wisconsin team that I think will be in the Big Ten championship. And this is a game I don't see any chance of Maryland winning. I agree. Um, I think Wisconsin is is a lot better than their number 18 AP ranking right now. Um, yeah, you know, their defense loses a lot of guys, but Wisconsin has, has a great defense every single year under Jim Leonard. Like, it, it doesn't really matter who they have, it feels like. Um, I think this is the year Graham Mertz takes a step forward. You know, they have a great running back duo. You know, got both two guys who were top seven in the Big Ten last year, one of the best one-two punches in the entire nation. Um, I think this is a game that Wisconsin will win handedly. Um, it might not be like a, like a 65-point bomb on Maryland, but I, I think – it's a game where Maryland might score, you know, only 10 points or less and just get dominated by Wisconsin. Yeah, I think we both agree on that. And so I have Maryland now. Excuse me, I have Maryland now at five and four. And I believe you have them at six and six three. and three. And that takes us to Penn State um, at Penn State, November 12th. That would be uh, week 10, I believe. Yeah, that'd be week 10, right? 10th game, yeah. Ten, yeah, 10th ten, tenth game. I guess it'll be week 11, but 10th game. And, you know, this is a Penn State team that last time Maryland went to State College, they beat Penn State. It was the COVID shortened season 2020. There was no fans in the stadium. So there's definitely a little bit of an asterisk next, next to that. But then, but on that, but Maryland, but excuse me, that year Penn State cut off to a great start and then really struggled the rest of the way. They had a down season last year. A Penn State, same thing. They got off to a good start and they really started struggling. They finished four and five in the Big Ten. I think they're going to have a better Big Ten record than that. I think they're one of the better teams in the Big Tenies, but I think this Penn State team is a little overrated. Sean Clifford is back, another guy who's who's in his sixth year now, who's been there for, it feels like, at least 10. 
I don't trust him at all in big games. I know he has a ton of experience. I'm not calling this Maryland game a big game by any means, but I don't trust Sean Clifford. I think this is the game that Maryland beats over one of the better teams in the Big Ten. I think Maryland's going to go into State College like the last time they were there, but this time that's going to be a packed house at Beaver Stadium, and I think Maryland's going to beat Penn State. Yeah, I'm going to have to respectfully disagree with you there, Sam. Um I think Penn State just, just owns Maryland as as we've seen it. The 2020 game was was weird. 2014, we obviously know it happened, and, and 2015 was was a close game after Maryland beat Penn State in the first year of the Big Ten. Kind of felt like maybe a robbery could be going, and then Penn State is just outside of that one year, just pretty much humiliated Maryland. Um, I think this is a game where Maryland can be competitive, though. I, I think to your point, I don't think Penn State is is great. I think, and they were well, competitive against Penn State at home last year. Too. Yeah. Yes, yes, but what that that still ended in what a, a seventeen point loss last year. Yeah, but like there was a last second, a last few minute yeah, touchdown. Yeah, it yeah, was closer yeah. for most of the game. I think I think it'll be competitive. I think a little bit closer. I think the game could end in single digits. Um, but I think Penn State defeats Maryland. I just think this could be you know a step closer to maybe the year after for Maryland. Uh, so I, I don't see it this year. Yeah, well, I um, it's definitely a little bit of a bold prediction. No, you, I, just, I, I think. I don't have any bold predictions on this. So, so has no, I know. I'm saying for me. I'm saying for yeah, me. It's, a, it's a bold prediction. And, I respect and, it. <laughs> thank you. And I, I, uh, I just think this Penn State, State team, it's so late in the season. It's not so late in the season, but there's it's the third to last game of the season. And I just think that this Penn State team is, is a little overrated. Like, I don't think – I think they're going to be good, but not great by any means. I think by this point in the season, they're going to be out of – uh, the Big Ten championship conversation out of the college football playoff conversation. I really think one of these late years is going to be James Franklin's last year. It could be this year. I just don't trust this Penn State team. Yes, Penn State has owned Maryland, certainly on the field. A lot of times in recruiting battles, you could, you could make that argument. I'm not, I couldn't argue with that at all. But I think this is the year Maryland's going to get that, get that big upset win. It's going to be on the road. Um, and that's how I see them getting to seven wins. But right now, through these... Uh, I guess it would be 10 games. I have Maryland oh, at what? What do you have them at? Six and four. I think you're at six and four as well. Yeah, and I'm at six and four as well. And then we have two games left on the schedule. The next one is at home, November 19th, against by far the favorite to win uh, the Big Ten, Ohio State, the second overall favorite to win the entire national championship, right behind Alabama. This Ohio State team is going to, this Ohio State offense is going to be remarkable. It was an absolute. Demolish! It was an, it was an absolute blowout. Every whatever word you want to use for it last year when uh, Maryland traveled to Columbus, I think it's going to be similar at least this year when um, Ohio State comes to College Park. I don't see Maryland really even competing against this Ohio State team. They're just too good, too talented, too deep. They're one of the best teams in the entire country. Though they are expected to be in the College Football Playoff, it's not going to happen. This this you can scratch this one in as a loss for Maryland. Yes, this will be a domination by Ohio State. I hate to say it for the Maryland fans listening, um, but Ohio State is is the second best team in the country behind Alabama this year. It, it is it is you know plain and simple, just like that. Ohio State's minus two fifteen to win the Big Ten, minus three forty to win the Big Ten East. They are the overwhelming favorites to win the Big Ten. They're arguably the best team that the Big Ten has had since Maryland joined the Big Ten. You can argue, you know, there's been there's been four teams in the preseason top two of the AP um, since Brown joined the big 10 and all of them have been Ohio state. This is perhaps, you know, Ohio state feels really good about their chances to win the national title feel it could be their best team since they won it all. Um, don't think Maryland has a chance on the road here at all. 
Yep, I think we agree on that. It's really hard to disagree. There's not a lot of arguments you could come up with for Maryland beating this Ohio State team. That gives us both. We're both at six and five with one game left in the season. And this is how we're going to get to seven wins for this Maryland team is that last game of the season against Rutgers. And this one's, um, I believe it's it's at home. It is at Rutgers, I think. Wasn't uh, it at Rutgers last year, though? Oh, it is. It is. Excuse me. It is home against Rutgers. You're correct. You're yeah. Correct. Um, yeah. So so it's home against Rutgers. And, you know, this was a huge game last year was to go to the bowl game to get to that six wins. I think Maryland's already going to be at six wins. We both them have them at six wins going into the last game of the season one way or the other. But there's certainly a possibility with they're only at five wins against this uh, Rutgers team. And it's another chance with against Rutgers last game of the season to make a bowl game and become bowl eligible. Um, I think they're going to beat Rutgers, and this is how I guess see them getting to seven and five. Rutgers, you know, they're an improving program. Um, they certainly aren't as bad as they were maybe four or five years ago, but they're, they're, they're not good by any means. They're not one of the best. They're still in the bottom of the Big Ten. They haven't even named a quarterback yet for this season, so we don't even know who's going to be under center by the last week of the season. I think Maryland wins this game uh, somewhat easily. Yeah, I agree. I think as as large of a gap there is between you know the perceived top four in Maryland, I don't. I'm not going to say it's as big, but I think there's a gap between Maryland and Indiana and Rutgers. Um, I think there are two must win games. You, if you're going to take that step forward, you feel comfortable saying that at this point in time. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it matters who starts for Rutgers at, at QB as long as Maryland's healthy. This should be a game they win at home on Senior Day to send their guys off uh, with a bang. Before yeah, the- so there's that full schedule breakdown. Um, you know, we both have Maryland being seven and five. They're over under, like we said, according to DraftKings, is five and a half. So they certainly could be around that six win mark. We see an improved team, so we're gonna call them at seven and five with that schedule breakdown. The big upset I have um is against Penn State. Ben has may not be a big upset, but it certainly would be an upset against Purdue. So that's how they can get to seven and five wins. Anything else to say about the schedule or seven wins? Uh, no, not much. I th- I think as it usually does in the big 10, it's going to be a tough, tough road for Maryland to get to, you know, that next step, but this team believes they can do it. And, and, you know, we're giving them a chance at at seven and five here. Yeah, certainly. All right. Um, So there's complete breakdown on Maryland football um, predictions, schedule breakdown, all that stuff next week is game week. So our podcast that's going to drop next week is going to be a full preview of strictly Buffalo. Um, it's, It's going to be game week. Finally, I can't believe we're here. We're going we're gonna to be in September pretty soon. It's finally game week. Um, here we are. Now let's transition a little bit to Maryland uh, basketball. So Maryland basketball, obviously, yesterday the news broke that they got a huge commitment from Deshaun Harris-Smith, four-star guard from the class of 2020, to join Jonathan uh, uh, Lamoth and Jamie Kaiser. So that's a phenomenal opening class obviously Willard's gonna this is gonna be his first season as head coach but that 2023 class is gonna be his first real recruiting class and what like you wrote a column about Dixon a great column on testudotimes.com breaking down how important it is for or how important it was when he was hired and he made a commitment to dominate the, the recruiting in the DMV you have to keep local town home that was one of the big flaws that Turgeon could not accomplish and it's really eventually what the fan base was furious about and it drove him out this is what willard needs to do he needs to control the dmv and the recruiting and he's done just that and it, it really capitalized it there's more to do and i think he will do more but he capitalized it with the deshaun harris smith um commitment that he announced yesterday now maryland has the eighth overall class um in in the entire country 
according to 247 Sports, going into 2023. So the future is bright, and Kevin Willard has done a phenomenal job with his first recruiting cycle. Yeah, um, have you mentioned that column? Because, you know, right right when the news was suspected to happen, I kind of just, you know, churned something out, like, it's 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 different. The the feel is just different surrounding the start of the Kevin Willard era. Um, you know, as successful as Mark Turgeon was, uh, even you know, without his his tournament success or excuse me, considering his you know regular season success um, and you know the the lack of tournament success that the fan base got upset about. Um, Turgeon, you know, objectively did a good job with the Maryland program, but the fan base got frustrated. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, people wanted is to keep the DMV town home. You sat back and you watched Villanova win the 2016 national championship. Four of their top six players were from guys from Maryland and Maryland fans. I vividly remember sitting with my dad and he's like, why does Maryland not have this? Like, et cetera, et cetera. Shout um, out David Dixon. Yes. Big shout out to him. Um, but, you know, the WCAC, you know, that esteemed athletic conference, Washington Catholic athletic conference, I think Turgeon had three players in his tenure commit there. Um, that's for Ryan McFadden and the Baltimore Sun saw that on Twitter after the story. But, you know, Kaiser and Harris Smith, two of them of the 20, 2023 class committing to Maryland. It, it's it's just big. You know, you know, the vibes are different surrounding Willard. He understands what it takes to succeed here off the court. Obviously, coaching in X's nose is going to be a different matter that we see, you know, on the court starting this fall and winter. But he, he gets it. He's doing the right things. He's appealing to the fan base. He's keeping the talent at home. It's He's acing it right now, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, there's really no argument that he's not acing it. And there's definitely more to do. Uh, Marco Jackson is still uncommitted. Maryland was on his one of his final lists. Um, there still, there's still could be a lot of potential in that 2023 class. But, you know, really just capitalizing with Deshaun Harris-Smith, who obviously Jamie Kaiser, um, they have a very close relationship. That's well documented. So that helped certainly when Jamie Kaiser committed. But it's, it's, it's so much more than just him. It's, it's you're right, about getting that local town home, getting it from a, a national powerhouse in a school that really, like um, you talked about in your column, but it, they really had evaded, uh, Maryland has evaded getting any prospects from there for a really long time. And Turgeon struggled in that area. It's Villanova has dominated recruiting the DMV. Another mm-hmm. thing you talked about, and I believe, I don't know the exact schools it was between or down to, but it was Penn State, Xavier, Indiana, Villanova, and Maryland. So when it's between Villanova and Maryland, and Maryland gets that win, that's big. Another thing, he was from a Nike um, Nike AAU team in Team Takeover, that, that's sponsored program, and Maryland's obviously an Under Armour school. So all those things are huge, where they really just flipped the the not just the narrative and just the trend that Turgeon had been taking where all these guys had just wanted nothing to do with Maryland and now that's being flipped and it's it's a huge success for Turgeon and Sean Harris Smith is supposed to be a really good player he had a phenomenal summer where he boosted up the rankings a great peach jam performance um really strong guard um combo guard really he's he's he likes to have the ball in his hands and he's going to be a great addition to Maryland not this season but the year after yeah, it, it really is crazy. Some of the quotes I was reading when these guys committed um, from, you know, on three and, and two, four, seven sports just saying, you know, we want to put Maryland back on the map. Like Willard gets it, keeping the DMV guys at home. This is something that the, the fan base has kind of just, you know, been preaching forever. And, you know, Willard, not in, even with, you know, this upcoming recruiting class, but bringing in a guy like Jameer Young, um, not the first, you know, DeMatha high school recruit since Travis Garrison because, you know, he's a transfer from Charlotte. 
but just understanding the importance of, you know, marketing that as, you know, we, we are back into math though. Like we, he understands what he's doing. He's, he's really just going into the DMV, trying to get these best guys. Like you said, El Marco could be next. Derek Queen, uh, the, the five-star best center in the class of 2024 could very well be reclassifying to the class of 2023 and joining the squad. Um, I think Willard's next step is to kind of get big men um, to this class because this you know, upcoming season is kind of just going to be a growing year. Um, while there might be some excitement around the team, you know, you might have a brand new starting five in 23, 24. And it starts with this, you know, I don't want to say fab five comparing it to Michigan, but it starts with this freshman class where these guys are going to get opportunities to play right away. And um, it, it, it's really impressive to see what he's doing so far. Yeah. I mean, the early returns are certainly in and, and they're certainly positive. There's early reviews. It's hard not to be, but of course, it matters way more what he does with that town and what he does on the court in terms of in terms of the team's performance. But again, that starts with recruiting and, and he's had success there. Anything else on that? No, I think that's pretty much it. I'm, I'm interested to see where he takes it next. Um, just, just, you know, want to reiterate that what he's doing is is a much different approach than Turgeon. Not that Turgeon did not have success but it, it's it's more of a direct appeal. I mean, even, even on Twitter, he's like, who's next? Like DMV is like three for three. He, he knows what he's doing. It, it's it's for yeah, Turf, and, it, it has to be refreshing to see that. And it's one thing to say it in every interview that you do in your opening cr- press comments, but it's a whole other thing to actually put it out. Yeah, exactly. And he's done exactly that in, in his first recruiting cycle. And you really can't say anything but positive things so far. Without a doubt. All right. Well, that's a wrap on Testudo Times podcast. We are we'll be back next week. Obviously, we talked a lot of Maryland football today. It's a little bit of Maryland basketball. Next week is game week. Maryland football season has finally arrived. Season will open September 3rd against Buffalo. Noon kickoff, I believe. Right. Yeah. Noon kickoff, noon kickoff. against Buffalo. September 3rd. We'll be back with a podcast breaking down that game next week for Ben Dixon and Sam Ostry. Thanks for listening, everybody.